Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Sean McCormick. Sean is the owner of two flotation tank centers in the Seattle region of the U.S., He is also a life coach and has a keen interest in how to optimize our lives. Thanks for coming on today, Sean. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So one of the the reasons I got you on is because I got to speak to a previous guest on the show, um, and that that was uh, from Natural Stacks. And so, yeah, the guys at Natural Stacks, they, they love your flotation. And I mean, they make brain supplements. And yet they were saying like going, to, going for a float is just a whole different experience. So I thought, no, I've never done flotation myself. So I want to learn so much more about flotation today. Yeah, uh, we, can, we can go, I mean, we can go as deep as you want. I mean, the, the water in a float tank is only 10 inches, but you and I can go uh, as deep as you want into the topic. Uh, um, yeah, the Natural Stacks guys, I, I believe that you spoke with Roy. Yeah, and, Warrior Krebs, yeah. And I've been a, an ambassador for Natural Stacks for a couple of years, and I am a giant fan of their products um you know it's about being our best and that's that at the heart of what a biohack what biohacking is you know changing modifying your internal environment and your external environment um for optimal performance and uh that's, and that's why means, th- yeah yeah there's so many different things yeah, and that's why i thought especially thinking again okay so someone like roy is taking supplements to enhance his brain. So he's already in an altered state. And then he says when he goes in through a flotation, it's just another level. So uh, so yeah. we're looking here that, yeah, there's a lot of neurological benefits, so brain benefits here. And uh, that really interests me. So already I didn't realize. So you're saying that the water in a flotation tank is only 10 inches deep? Yeah. So it's, it's 10 inches deep. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's like that. And there's a 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt uh, that's diluted. Um, it takes about a day and a half to dilute that level of, of Epsom salt into, into the water. Cause every time you add water, the water decreases in temperature. And so, yeah, it doesn't take much. And we're talking about, you know, 350 pound offensive linemen for the Seattle Seahawks that float just perfectly in 10 inches of Epsom salt water. It's all, it's all, it's, it's all you need really that depth. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. um, with flotation, is it uniform, the ingredients that go into the water, or does each sensor sort of have their own recipe or twist that they do? So you mentioned Epsom salts. It's pretty standardized. I mean, most – I mean, just, just about every every float center adds the same amount. I mean, some of the uh, the Zen float tent, which is a residential sort of a, a consumer uh, consumer-grade consumer at-home float tank, I think they only need 800 but it's really standard and that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's Epsom salt. You know, we add uh, Himalayan crystal salt as well uh, from time to time because there's added electrolytes, you know, I don't know if you know much about Himalayan crystal salt, but there's 92 minerals and electrolytes in Himalayan crystal salt. Clearly I'm a dork for water and salt. So, um, uh, so we add that too, hoping that that gets absorbed through the body as well. But it's pretty standard. Yeah, it's it's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt, and that's really all you need. That uh, that provides the buoyancy for your float experience, um, and then that's what helps all of the the physiological benefits from um, lubricating the synovial fluid in your joints to decreasing swelling to increasing circulation. And you know we can get into all the all the the different benefits there. But yeah, it's pretty standardized. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get onto the benefits section in a bit. But just just so I can get my head around it, so I and also hmm. the listeners to it who've never it may be people like me who've never experienced it. So I'm going to go in. Yeah. What what temperature is the water? The temperature of the water is 93 and a half degrees, and um, were you expecting that specific, uh, <laughs> temperature? No. So the, uh, the external temperature of our skin is 93 and a half degrees. And so it's specifically tempered in that way so that you don't know where the temperature of the water meets the temperature of the atmosphere inside the float tank meets the, meets the temperature of your skin. So it's created in that way so that, uh, you sort of lose track of the water and the barrier and the transition between the water and the solution that you're floating in 
and the uh, the atmosphere inside the float tank or float pod um, is you can't decipher it. So what what end up what ends up happening is you don't know which way is up or which way is down. You just feel like a baby floating in outer space in this in this sort of um, um, really held enclosed um, sort of space. So you know you know for for some folks for me ninety three and a half is a little warm. Uh, I run pretty hot. You know I've got Celtic wolf blood in my body. Um, so, um, for me, 93 and a half is a little warm. So I, I tend to go to, you know, 92, 92 and 92.7, 93.1 in that range. Um, but the standard practice is 93 and a half degrees. So do you get clients already who try customize their floats experience, even with, from a temperature point of view? Some do. Yeah. Some ask for uh, an increase, you know, especially well, we're in the, you know, Pacific Northwest and it's temperate. And, uh, I, th- I think especially women, uh, run a little cooler, uh, in their internal temperature is a little bit cooler. So they may, they might get a, may like it a little bit hotter. I know that some other float centers actually purposefully pump up the heat a little bit to make it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more cozy. But for me, that misses the point because it's not it's not supposed to be warm. It's not supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be just right. But we do have some folks that say, hey, can you can you either live the leave the lid open so that it has, you know, so that it cools off a little tiny bit, or can you pump the heat up just a little tiny bit for my float? And we we try to accommodate people as best we can. Okay. Already I, I can see that as a top tip for people who do float to think that's you can sort of change and alter the temperature to maybe suit your particular situation or your feelings so you can customize it even more yeah and and that range is really a half a degree either way so it's it's pretty minimal but you can okay and then explain the pod to me you mentioned it already so this tank it um i'm envisioning where it's this is it a like a flatbed or a round tube and then you you lift the lid off and you 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 go in and you lay down and then you just and you close the lid down on on the person do you and then they're in complete darkness that's right yeah you um there you know there are different manufacturers there's different standardized sort of float tanks versus float pods you know float pods are 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 often referred to as sort of like the circular um, or, or more oval sort of rounded edges you know isopod in london um um, is a manufacturer that's been around for a very long time, um, really sort of spearheaded this sort of rounded egg shape sort of float tank, float pod. Um, there's a manufacturer out of uh, Arizona that that's that's called the float pod, uh, and it's you know it's 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 oval in shape with rounded edges um, versus a float tank. Uh, we have both at, at our float centers at Float Seattle and Float Bellevue. In Float Seattle, we have float tanks. We have the ocean float room, which is you know eight and a half feet tall on the inside, so you can step into it and lay down. It's wide and long. Uh, we have an uh, oasis float tank, which is more sort of s- typical. I think when people think of float tanks, it's you know it's shorter. Uh, you have to you have to get in and lay back. You know, it's we like to call it. Um, uh, it's it's a tad more sci-fi. Uh, rather than, uh, what some people look at it and say, oh my God, it's a coffin. Well, it's not a coffin. Yeah. That's uh, already it's, where it's, I'm going with this. Yeah. Everybody does. And that's fine. Um, and then we have Samadis, um, who are the original manufacturers of, uh, of commercial float tanks. So the Samadis are similar in that sort of squarish boxy. So we have those in Seattle and then we have float pods, uh, uh, evolution float pods in, uh, in our Bellevue location. So I'm guessing the, ex- the flotation experience is going to be the same no matter what one. It just depends on the the amount of volume inside that the that the person has when they're laying in it. That are are some of the roofs closer to, closer to your face than others? I don't know. Yes. Uh, so in in each of these uh, instances, you're 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 closed off. There are people that have built like custom float areas or float rooms, and the float seems as though the float industry is is building larger and larger float tanks float rooms cabins um which which really are sort of enclosed um almost like almost like giant showers that are actually built into the wall um i think that there's benefits and 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 setbacks to both of those you know um there's going to be the bigger the space the more sound transfer there's going to be so um, a drop of water, a splash of water, you know, um, 
a, a freight truck two blocks away may echo a little bit more in a larger cabin, um, mm. which 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 is the reason why I I prefer um, something that's a little bit more enclosed because it's a it gets it's quieter it's it's more you know it's more compact. Um, but in in each of these situations, yes, the point is to shut the door, um, not lock it, but just shut the door um, to get to that pure dark, that deep, that that darker than dark uh sensory full sensory deprivation okay yeah so already there's another top tip just to let people know you don't lock the door so you can pop the lid open and and move if you need to if you felt claustrophobic absolutely okay great yeah so i think i've got a gist and hopefully everyone's got a picture in their mind what one of these tanks looks like if they haven't been there and now we've already touched on on some of the benefits that maybe if you could run through um how would you say uh, what some of the the regular benefits that you would tell someone who's brand new to flotation we there are so many that we've found over the past six years that it's it's best to keep it as simple as possible and we've simplified it into really three categories Um, people float for pain relief stress relief and meditation and uh, the pain relief is from the epsom salt which um, uh, activates your parasympathetic system um, it's your sort of rest and digest, um, lowered heart rate, um, increased blood flow, the sort of non-voluntary physiological operations of the body. Um, yeah, you your, know, ch- your, your, that... your chill out phase. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's stimulated more strongly that, that, that your parasympathetic system comes on while you float. Yeah. Um, because what happens is you're not calculating or crunching numbers, uh, you're not exposed to input. And what happens is when you're not exposed to input, your brain says and your body says, oh, I can just do my thing. I'm not crunching numbers. I'm not analyzing data. I'm not making connections between things. It's just my internal space. It's just my inner space. And so within the Epsom salt uh, and the parasympathetic system, you get this pain relief, um, in uh, um, increased dopamine increased endorphins, decreased cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, you know, the sort of fight or flight responses, stress responses, those go down. Um, The studies show that those go down around the 20, 25 minute mark. And in place, you get this influx and increase of dopamine and endorphins and the sort of warm fuzzies that make us feel good. Uh, the, the, The stress relief is just from being away from the world. I mean, it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, most of us spend all day or most of the day on computers, on our phones, driving, you know, shaking our fingers at people and dealing with problems. And that's just, that's how we live our life now. And then we get home and we make dinner and we watch TV and we, you know, parent and, or we, you know, do our thing. And, um, and then we have our phone in our face until it's time to go to sleep um, I, you know, as a biohacker, I'm hoping you and I both don't do this sort of thing, <laughs> but in your phone in your face until you go to sleep and then watching, looking at Instagram and Facebook and haha, Twitter and, and then, okay, it's time to go to sleep. Boop. Airplane mode. Hopefully you're doing airplane mode. Yeah. And then hopefully you're not putting your phone underneath your pillow, but close to you. And then it's time to go to sleep. So in the entire span of a day, Besides like the shower and the bathroom, you're not having any time to be by yourself, to breathe. If you don't have a meditation practice, you're not having that time to quiet your mind and to relax. And so what the float tank does and provides for a lot of people in tech, we have a ton of people that work at Amazon that float with us and Microsoft and Boeing and Concur and Expedia. Um we have a lot of professional athletes that are just so stimulated by their practice and their training and the exposure to the media that this is really their only time to have to themselves when, you know, one hour, hour and a half in a float tank is really their only time to check out. So that's where the stress relief comes in and the meditation. It makes sense. You're, it's basically like a, um, um, like a incubator for, for meditation. It, it, it cancels out external stimuli which is what you're trying to do in meditation anyway, by focusing either on a mantra or breath work or 
whatever you do in your in your meditation practice, this does that for you. It really sort of clears out a space for you to just focus on your breath and chill out. And because you're again not cal- not um, um, crunching numbers or, or dealing with stimuli, you get that that faster theta brainwave state. You get to that meditative state a lot quicker. Um, so those are those are the, the the really three core benefits that we tell people: is pain relief, stress relief, and meditation. It also helps you sleep too. Yeah, well, already what I can see and what you've touched on there is that continuous connectivity that people have and that they are never not stimulated. And especially yeah. in the modern world now, you talked about, say, like your cell phone constantly stimulating you with your apps or whatever, social media, emails, doesn't matter. But even the world itself, you know, advertising is trying to grab your attention. There's just so much that's always trying to keep you connected, keep you alert. And uh, it's... I must admit, it's it's very interesting where I believe now it's so hard for people to just not feel like they need to concentrate on something or be distracted by something. I mean, a a classic example for me is when I go to, uh, I have young, young kids and if I go to a playground, I've noticed time and time again that you'll go into the playground and the first thing parents will do is pop their phone out when the kids are playing and they'll look at the phone. It's like there's there's a, seems to be an inability in society nowadays to just, just not look at their phone for example there because they that downtime that that sensory deprivation time is just it it's like an awkwardness now i feel for a lot of people i i i'm with you a hundred percent i'm i also have two small kids and it's sad i mean it's it's really it really is because um it's so easy to dive into a world and be entertained by something I mean, you have a super. You have you can you can you can learn anything under the sun in a in a in a millisecond in your pocket. That's tough to compete with really anything, let alone continuing to be present with your children, to actually go and play with them, to go interact with them, to have a conversation with the other parents that are at the park. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I I truly believe that there is there is a a disconnect socially where we're getting worse and worse at doing this. We're getting, we're getting, um, we're losing our skills of conversation because people do this so frequently. Mm-hmm. And you look up and you're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And then you go back to your phone, and it's, uh, it's so, it's just so easy to check into that, and um, it's it's sad a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'm with but- you. But that's where when you mentioned how you have all the big tech companies and the, and the employees like to come, you know, do a flotation with you. And, and it's the reason I can I can truly understand with them where they live in a very connected, you know, environment with their workplace. And and that respite coming to your center would is must it's like a luxury now to be to be allowed to not be connected. Yeah, it is. It's the it's the antithesis. Uh, it's the antithesis to sort of our modern modern world, especially for people who work in tech and program uh, game developers. It's the antithesis, and it's also the antidote. It's also the the thing that will help balance us out from a brain chemistry aspect, from uh, from a stress aspect. It's it's you're right. It's a luxury. If you're staring at a computer all day and you, or, or if you're just, you know, or if you're just um, a high powered business person or a type a person and you've got a lot of stuff going, you know, if you're like myself, business owner, life coach, speaker, blogger, blogger, I mean, I I'm, I'm busy most of the day. And so I prioritize my time to myself. I prioritize my meditation practice. I am prioritize exercise and flotation therapy because i know how important it is and you're right it's 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 either that or going camping and leaving your phone at home like it's a scary thought for a lot of people yeah right yeah you know yeah actually hopefully i'm going to get a psychologist or a psychiatrist on about internet addiction and digital addiction there's some great tedx talks about that out there and just uh yeah the 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 that fear when people give their phone to someone else and it, they're disconnected from their tech for a little while. It's, it's right. bad. Um, and this, 
And, and, and in this case, you literally can't bring that phone in there with you. You can't take it in the shower. You can take it in the bathroom. But so you I can't, can't get one of those waterproof phones and bring them in with me. And on that note, not to go off on another tangent, but there, 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 are, there are some float centers and there are some float tank manufacturers that have set up like screens um, on the inside of the float tanks for sort of like, um, you know, one guy was setting up, you know, sort of uh, morphing images just to sort of trip out on or, or, you know, you can watch videos of your golf swing to improve your golf swing or your tennis swing or whatever. So there is that application too, this sort of like hyper learning, you know, biohacking language acquisition and so forth too. But I'm, that's VR in a flow tank. If, if people are doing it, um, people are trying it and there's, okay. there's something to it. There's something there. And, and, and I, I, I believe it's exciting, but for most, most, most of us don't need any more of that. Most of us need less stimulation. So actually like putting your phone on, on airplane mode and getting into a float tank for a one hour float session is, is, is about the most relaxing experience you can, you can have, honestly. And I forgot to ask, do you, do people wear swimsuits when they go into the, into the float yep. tanks? Buck naked. Okay, so you're going in, going in your birthday suit. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so even that experience, I guess, that someone's stripping down to you know nakedness and they're getting into this. That it's it's a that must be a part of the whole experience. Just to think, wow. Okay, when how often in life do, am I actually in a state for like an hour or an hour and a half where I'm yeah, but naked? Yeah, primal. Yeah, yeah getting getting back to basics for sure wow okay so would you mind just um if you know a little bit about it i'm not quite sure but like the history of flotation like how, when did this start who started this how, how did it yeah. even come about so dr john Lilly um was uh, supported by uh by the military in the late 50s to do some research into um into sensory deprivation and um he's a uh, he's written lots of books um programming and medic programming human biocomputer um i have the i have the hurricane or i have the cyclone um he he was the guy who's who connected and figured out communication with dolphins was giving lsd to dolphins and talking to dolphins um yeah. fascinating person like really really ahead of his time and uh what dr lily was uh, was funded for was to figure out what happens in sensory deprivation. And the old th- frame of mind before that was if you don't have uh, sensory input, then uh, you just fall asleep. If you're not being uh, inundated with information that you just sort of slip into sleep state. And what happens is the opposite. Um, all of these other systems kick on. And so they, they experimented with, you know, uh, vertical float tanks, where you're being tugged down by your ankles into the water, uh, weighted down up to your head so that you're floating vertically and bobbing up and down with your breath. Um, they pro- they practice like with big snorkels and elaborate devices that allow you to, you know, sort of float, float face down, but continue to breathe almost like, you know, old school scuba gear. And um, he went full in and started to p- come out with some pretty incredible research, both um, both scientifically and anecdotally about people's experiences. Uh, and then he quickly started to work with, um, the Perry's Glenn and Lee Perry who are in uh, California and they created, uh, together with Lily, uh, the Samadhi float tank. Are you familiar with the term Samadhi? Mm-mm, no. Samadhi, it's S A M A D H I. And it's a, it's a term that means like the line between you and me is dissolved. This sort of like interconnectedness, this sort of, total consciousness um between like the observer and the observed and kind of cool name very cool name and then they started creating um commercial float tanks uh in the you know early 60s mid 60s and there are a fair number of people that float with us now that sort of remember when they first came out and were into it when they were young um and um, they started popping up kind of all over the place. They they gained popularity. They were they were tightly uh, they were closely connected because of John Lilly's research and his work and his affinity for psychedelics. 
there was this sort of connection between psychedelic use and float tanks. Mm. And for better or worse, it was, it was, there was a strong association there for people. And uh, over time, um, it sort of ebbed and flowed. It got, you know, sort of lost popularity in the late 70s and got popular again in the 80s and then lost popularity in, in, popular in the 80s. So it's gone through these waves of, of use. But, you know, there's float tanks in Olympic training facilities all over the world. There's float tank centers. I mean, in the last, just in the last six years, there's been massive growth in the States with, with float centers. We were the first float center to open in the Seattle, Washington area for like 15 years. Uh, we were the first to open and now there's, you know, there's about a dozen float centers, um, in our local region, our local area. Um, uh, same thing. It's the same thing applies to the rest of the country. So it's gained popularity again. And I think it is an answer to our super plugged in, super stressed out lives. I think people uh, need this and they need yoga and they need biohacking and breath work and cold immersion therapy and all these things that help us kind of get back to ourselves. So you've, you touched on where, because when flotation came out, it was, it was the sixties and seventies when it, people were experimenting with a whole bunch of chemicals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're even in, you know, in this day and age, in 2017, we're still experimenting with chemicals. Uh, and that's where I'm thinking more nootropics here or brain supplements. I'm guessing yep. you must you must get that, you must draw that crowd who love taking supplements that enhance your brain function and then they drop themselves into a flotation experience. Or yeah. do, do you even, I don't know, as a float center, do you, could you recommend certain supplements that you found that people benefit from before they go or you know, that sort of experience? We do. Yeah. We sell a number of, we sell a number of, of, uh, nootropic supplements that people can use for their, for their float before their float after their float. Yeah. I think, I think if you're, um, if you're interested in consciousness, if you're interested in tinkering with making yourself, uh, perform at a higher level, then you're going to gravitate towards finding those things that are, uh, like floating, you know, um, like cryotherapy, like yoga, breath work, meditation, you're going to sort of go to that, go to those things. And, you know, the way that I think about it is that I often float, well, I floated so many times. It's it's hard. I I, I don't want to speak in generalities because I've floated so much and they've all been so different. You know, I'm I'm, I'm almost up to 600 float sessions in, in the last six plus years. And just when I think, yeah, I, I kind of do it like this or this. No, I do it for a lot of different reasons. But there are active sort of problem solving, to-do listing, um, um, resolving a conflict, thinking creatively about an idea. There's those sorts of active problem solving, critical thinking floats, which are perfect for products like Siltep, uh, products like their dopamine uh, dopamine brain food. Um um, we also just uh, brought in an, uh, a nootropic tea, um, Adaptogenic. Uh, it's a company called Wise Ape. Um, it's this awesome tea that stimulates your mind. Um, doing that before going into float, you're going to have it's it's going to be active, and you're going to think about a lot of stuff. And it's nice to to be agile in that moment when you're like, okay, my brain switched on. It's time to boogie. Let's think about my relationships and my job and my spiritual growth and where I want to be in 10 years. And that's fine. And that's cool. The other float is just get in there and shut up. <laughs> just relax, try, you know, just focus on your breath. And I tell that to people all the time, like just lay back, chill out, focus on your breath. There's a lot of different breath work that I suggest to folks. There's visualization exercises to get the most out of it. But yeah, I mean, that, that sort of biohacker crowd that's interested in nootropics and interested in, in, in uh, optimizing their brain, um, there's, there's lots to, that you can do in there. Mm. So do you do any if – I, if I came to a float sensor and I'm a complete newbie, do you do some sort of training before someone goes in the tank? Or is, is, is there any protocol that's – no, it's a, it's about a two minute walkthrough. It's a pretty quick little, you know, you know. I could give it to you now if you want to hear it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you just you explain it. So that I'm just thinking when you were talking about the breath work there. So it, it's even I can imagine that when if I'm laying down in that suspended state, and as you've touched on already, 
because of the buoyancy of the water, you actually you, you don't realize that you're actually in the water after a period of time. It kind of just feels like you're, that's the word, floating, that you're just there. And I'm guessing initially when people get in, they must be breathing fast, breathing heavy, but then that changes when if they become more mindful of their breathing rate or their breathing depth. And that's, um, but that's just something that they would naturally experience and experiment as they go through their float experience. Yeah. It's important to not program people, I think before their float, you know, you don't want to tell them, Hey, you're going to, you're going to keep your eyes open. Cause if you keep your eyes open through the float, you're going to see these green blobby things that are going to swirl this way. And you're going to, you're going to think that they're this, or, you know, you, you may experience this, the, you know, there's a visual sensation a, a visual that's, that's really common. It's this, it's, it looks like a sunrise. Uh, it's this in the blackness when your eyes are sort of at, you know, if midnight is straight up, they're, you know, sort of at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, there's this sensation and there's this visualization of the, of, of, uh, light down here. It's pitch black. There's light down here and it sort of gets darker and darker, sort of like a sunrise, but we're not going to describe that to people. We're not going to have people look for that or sort mm. of expect that because that's going to shape and, and, and frame their experience. You know, like one of the most important things is to just let them go in there and figure it out on their own. You know, do, do you do okay by yourself for an hour? Do you do, are you uncomfortable being by yourself for an hour? Why? Look at that. Is, is this uncomfortable for you? Why can you not sit still? Can you not, or do you not like yourself? There's work to do there, you know? And, um, so we don't, we don't really, my staff, I have trained them to not program people before going into the float tank. So if you're like <laughs> chest breathing in there, like you need to figure out how to sort that out. You need to figure out how to belly breath. You need to figure out how to move your body into a position that's most comfortable for you because you're growing, you're pushing yourself in that, in that, in that place where you're figuring out how your breath works and how your body feels and how your, what your brain is doing. There's a really important process in which you, um, discover yourself a little bit in that hour. So you've also got me thinking, Ray, cause it's, it's something I think I've come across before, but with, with everyone with different body shapes and sizes, and especially of the spine, you know, some people are more curved or some people have a bigger curve in their neck. Do people, when you were wriggling around there, I was just thinking, you get flotation pillows even, don't you? Um, that some people feel they need a pillow in in the tank, or some people, yeah, some people do feel like they need a pillow. We we there's a product from um uh, it's called a float halo. Um, it's this really brilliant, really simple design from our friends uh, up in Canada. Uh, it's a it's basically a foam donut with a notch for your neck you put back here it's really unobtrusive uh it supports your head just just enough so that you feel yeah i mean if if you've got soccer injuries and or rugby injuries you know i'm trying to trying to connect with the you know <laughs> um yeah. uh, football in the uk injuries, yeah uh then you know your your back may be a little tweak if you've been in a car accident or a motorcycle accident like i have you know, you're, there's parts of your body that are maybe not aligned or symmetric the way that they should be. So, you know, you can use a pool noodle, especially for pregnant women. Floating is excellent for pregnant women uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, which you can imagine. But like, you know, a pool noodle underneath your knees kind of gives you some extra buoyancy at the hips to help support that belly. Um, a float halo, you know, um, um, behind your head to help support your head if you're kinked or you've got whiplash or you're, you know, you know, you're a, you know, you're a chin yeah. forward kind of person. There's different, there, people have different ways, but even in that there's, there's an important, there's an important process of sort of like going back to neutral. Um, so if you're in there with six floaties and a rubber ducky ring and a snorkel and all this gear, right? Like you're, you may be cheating yourself from that experience of like actually like resetting, getting your shoulders down and back, getting your chin back and your chin up, getting the traction in your spine, um, I, I float with my arms up and I, I, I suggest that people do. That's one thing that we do suggest, uh, opens up your chest. So many of us are clicking and doing this and driving. And when you float with your arms up and your chin back and you sort of urge your chin back and urge, uh, and, and, and decrease the tension in, in the back of your neck, you're able to go back to that sort of neutralized 
posture where your shoulders are down and back and your chin is up. So um, everybody's different, especially if you have, you know, some damage, some physiological damage from injury or whatever, or just bad posture or whatever. Um, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a process. Yeah. And that's, that's again, what I was just thinking that exactly what you said, everyone's in this forward drawn position because life is just stimulating you to go more forward. And when you are in a lane and just even there, just that thought that you're going to be laying on your back for an hour and that yeah. people, people are going to fidget and they might feel, Oh, I'm going to, I want to turn onto my side. Um, do you get that? Do people feel like they want to turn onto their side? Like they're laying in bed? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, it's really hard to do. It's 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 damn near impossible to flip onto your side. I mean, just like the, sh- the mast of a boat, in order to flip, you're so low, right? So in order to flip, you have to literally put your hands up above your head and then do this to have the center of gravity turn you over. Um, I sleep on my side. You know, I don't sleep on my back. So as I'm sleeping on my uh, on my side as I'm floating. So I've done, I've done a number of, of really long floats. The longest float that I've done is nine and a half hours. And during that experience, continuous. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And in that, in that float, um, for sure, I had this sort of instinct to roll over, you know, roll onto, well, I guess, depending on which side my wife is, I, I, sorry, honey, I kind of roll away from her. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I do. Uh, so I like, you know, I roll, I roll away from her. So I, um, uh, I did have that sort of sensation or that urge to, but if you do, you know, you're going to get salt water in your eye and it's so salty that it does sting a bit. Um, but yeah, people do have the urge. We had, um, uh, uh, a professional football player that, that just couldn't get out of his mind that he wanted to float on his face. He wanted to float face down. Uh, and so he bought a snorkel and floated a couple of times face down <laughs> just to have that experience of like, what does that feel like? How does, what, what does that do to my back? And, um, uh, it's logistically pretty challenging to do that effectively, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, again, yeah. Being on your back is not a, not a typical thing for most people, but. And especially for that length of time when you're conscious, because most people would get get very fidgety and think, no, I need, I need to do something like I need to, flip over or and especially as you mentioned tummy sleepers so someone who's used to oh i'm just chilling oh i feel like turning onto my stomach so yeah complete that that sensation experience that you're going to go through again there fascinating um yeah so really that the key aspect here is sensory deprivation which you touched on with the original research and just that where people there isn't probably flotation is one of the best sensory deprivation therapies that people can do commercially it is i mean yeah they, they there's such a thing called dry rest uh, rest stands for restricted environmental uh stimuli stimulation therapy so rest rest restricted environmental stimuli therapy or stimulation sorry guys but the float the float people are going like this right now <laughs> tell me um there is such thing as dry rest which is basically like a cabin with pillows that's quiet and dark um, but yeah, as, as far as sensory deprivation, you know, you can go into those super quiet rooms. Uh, they have, there's a few of those in the country where it's like super foam. It's so quiet that you, it's, it's loud inside your head. It's not like that, but yeah, uh, this is the most effective sensory deprivation experiences is, is in a float, a float tank or float pod. And when you mentioned the darkness, we're talking so black, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Right. So pit, it, this is pitch, pitch black again, which, pitch. which. In this modern world with artificial light everywhere, people are just not used to being in complete darkness. Totally. Well, and, you know, again, from a biohacker standpoint, the darkness stimulates your immunity. You know, when you're when you're in the dark pitch black, uh, you're it, it stimulates your ability to, to fight sickness and disease. Um, so there's there's that aspect of it, too. Uh, and there's also an interesting distinction between floating, uh, obviously, in the pitch black where you can't see anything, let alone your face, your hand in front of your face. But there's a distinction between floating with your eyes closed and floating with your eyes open. And when you float with your eyes closed, you know, there's your body knows what's going on there. It's like, oh, I'm relaxing, I'm, I'm, I'm meditating, I'm sleeping, I'm doing whatever. When your eyes are open, it's very different. And your eyes are looking for stuff like, mm. where's all the stuff? We're looking for stuff. There's no stuff. Where's all the stuff? And what happens is 
typically you get where what's called hypnagogic images or hypnagogic. Um, and that is basically like, uh, the precursor to, uh, to visuals. And so, um, you know, when I, when I first opened the float center, I was delighted because my dad came in and floated and he came out and he was like, he was like, you know, that was really cool. And I was like, well, tell me about it. What did you experience? And he goes, you know, this purple geometric orb was just one leave me alone. And I was like, cool, tell me more. And what he was saying is that this, this purple thing came in, came in from the left and was spinning and spinning. And then he started to mess with it a little bit and was spinning it the other way and moving it around. And so this, this hypnagogic imagery can give way to like full on visuals um, again, unaided by anything, um, but just you get these you get these visuals, um, and when your eyes are open, you're more you're more likely to have a psychedelic experience, a, a a an unaided like real psychedelic experience where you're seeing things you don't normally see. So oftentimes, for people who've floated a couple of times, I will suggest that they keep their eyes open because when you do keep your eyes open. You know, you get a little fractal action or you get like a little blobby thing or, or for some folks, uh, uh, it's really common to see like a dot, like a dot of light. And it's like, what is that? Oh my gosh. I'm looking for it. You know, you're doing this. And what, you, what is that? <laughs> uh, I've done some work with that dot. I've done a lot of work with that dot. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you can actually like project yourself toward it. I mean, now we're getting into like astral projection. We're mm. getting into out-of-body experiences, which is something that I'm keen on. Um, but you can do some work with that dot too, and especially with your eyes open. There's no dot there. I mean, well, depending on how you look at it, there may or may not. But this sort of visual imagery with your eyes open lends itself to sort of deep, deep exploration of your own consciousness. And you're not just like, okay, I'm here to chill out. I'm relaxing. I'm, sl- I'm floating, doing a thing. I'm out. No, that's what that dot create a scene for yourself. You know, like some folks, some folks get new music they've never heard before starts to just play. And for some folks, they even like sit up and open the door and shit, that's gone. I don't hear it anymore. And they go back in and it turns back on. Some people get full on like sitcom scenes. Um, there was a story, uh, ABC news did a story where, um, uh, uh, an anchor, a news anchor came in to our float center in Seattle a couple of years ago. Um, you can, you can Google ABC news, um, altered States, uh, or sensory deprivation. And he floated and this was on camera. This guy doesn't, this guy did not want his name is Neil Karlinski. What's up, Neil. He did not want to be vulnerable in this moment because he's on national television. And what happened for him is he went in and floated and he had this experience where he was back home in the house he grew up in like detail the kitchen table the family dog his family everybody's there he walks into his room he sees his father in in his in his actual life his father had had just passed away but he was like not just having like a lucid dream not just having like a um a cool visual experience but like really being there and that's a very common uh it's a very common theme for for people that we've talked to and people that have talked about their float experience is to like go back to like relive the first day of kindergarten or to like go back to an experience that they've had in their childhood for whatever reason there's just this like maybe before i don't know um yeah that's interesting so people they they it's like becoming present in in a in an event that their brain wants to go through there so they yeah and and like fully like fully present in it not just thinking about it not just remembering it but like like being in their body in that moment at the first day of school i mean it's happened with me not the first day of school but kindergarten i've I've relived days of kindergarten before yeah Mm. okay wow um so i'm just thinking here again um so we're talking about the sensory deprivation, the blackness, but it got me thinking circadian rhythm stuff. This is getting a bit biohacky, but when people are trying to, you know, reset their body clocks, I'm just wondering people who struggle to sleep, would, would they benefit from doing flotation in the late afternoon or have you, I don't know, have you even come across this type of situation before? Yeah. 
Yeah, the floating absolutely helps sleep for a number of reasons. Again, the Epsom salt relaxes your body. The magnesium that that you that you absorb through your skin, um, you use and helps you relax. Helps you know release tension in your muscles, lowers your heart rate, and relaxes you. And what, what we found, uh, what I've seen, sort of anecdotally, in the thousands and thousands of people that I've seen come through our doors, is floating at night really does help go to sleep. Um, you know, you have to get in your car and drive home, mm. of course. But, or, or you um, catch a in the states, you got Uber, and the rest of the world, hey, you can just yeah. get a taxi that takes you home while you're chilled totally. out in the back. Yeah, exactly. Well, five years from now, you're going to get in your self-driving car and say, "Okay, go home," and then you can fall asleep <laughs> in the back, you know, on the way home. Yeah. But it does help. It does help immensely. Uh, it also helps with jet lag. Um, helps reset and get you back on the right clock. You know, I know that there are biohacks where as soon as you get on the plane, you set the clock, you set your clock on your phone for your destination, um, you know, doing power naps or, um, you know, using red light to, to manage, um, um, to manage your cycles. Um, I've seen, I've seen lots of people, um, hack their sleep with floating for sure. Yeah. So I was just, I just, the circadian rhythm stuff always interests me. And, uh, so I was thinking you might find that people might come at different times of the day to stimulate different parts of them in a way. So like a, a morning float with your eyes open versus a late afternoon float with your eyes closed or, but just, just an yeah. idea that people could yeah. uh, play with. Honest, you know, um, uh, a float, a 7am, I mean, we have lots of people that float at 7am before their work day. You know, you, you, you go in, um, you have half a cup of coffee, you take your Siltep from natural stacks, uh, you do your breath work and you plan your day or plan your week that Monday morning. Um, that's going to be a pretty productive day. You're going to have a lot of perspective and a lot of uh, a lot of clarity on what you need to do that day. Um, that is obviously a much more active float than um, than floating at night. I prefer floating. My ideal time for floating is uh, Sunday morning, eight thirty after a really hard workout. After I have fasted for eighteen hours, so like I haven't eaten anything on Saturday. Um, I haven't eaten anything Sunday morning. I get up, go for a run, you know, throw some kettlebells around, um, and then get into a float in a fasted state. Uh, those, that's my favorite time. And then the rest of my day is roses and sunshine and, you know, unicorns. Um, you know, just the, you've, you've done so much for yourself in such a short window of time by exercising and then meditating essentially. Um, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, yeah. now I'm thinking about it, like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you got me thinking there is taking ketones, you know, so your, your, yeah. your body's produced loads of ketones, which are great for the brain. And then you're actually stimulating your brain even more whilst you're in that different fuel source state. So yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, I had, um, a ketone researcher, Brianna Stubbs on and she, she's making, well, her, the research group that she's with, it makes, um, ketone esters not ketone salts, so the esters. But I'm just thinking the day will come when, when people come to a flotation center and they, they, they take back some esters and, you know, a whole other state again. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So how many times do people float? What's, what's a flotation schedule like typically? You know, if you're, if you're an effective person, uh, if you're a high achiever twice a week, Twice a week is going to be uh, is going to be beneficial, especially if you're um, uh, if that's kind of the only thing you do. If that's your go to, you know, you're, you're not really doing massage or chiropractic or anything like that. Um, twice a week is uh, is going to keep you operating at a really high level. You know, for most folks, they don't really need that much. Um, once a week or twice a month you know, just to kind of reset a little bit, mm -hmm. um, it's effective. You know, we, we offer various membership um, levels. Um, that being said, uh, a close friend of mine is a, um, is a president and director of a, of a venture capital front, uh, fund. And he was floating every other day for a while. He now floats, uh, about three, four times a week, but for three months, he was literally floating every other day. Um, it was he was getting such a high ROI on mm. the time spending in there, planning his day, planning conversations, planning pitches, thinking critically about the fund. You know, he was he was optimizing, he was biohacking his way 
um, and through his uh, through his uh, fund by being able to think like that. You know, uh, we have a couple of uh, a number of Seahawks, uh, Seattle Seahawks that float with us. You know, um, Russell. I don't know if you know the name Russell Wilson, a quarterback for the Seahawks. Um, he floats once or twice a week during the season when he when he's in season um, for body recovery and for time to himself. You know, he's a he's a hard charging guy who doesn't sleep very much because he works his ass off all the time. And, um, you know, for him twice a week in season is just right. So, you know, if you're floating for, uh, like recovery from a car injury, you know, one thing that's really common that we've got, uh, we've had doctors prescribe, um, this is based on a Swedish study that talked about how to basically reset the central nervous system after injury. Um, um, and work workplace burnout was part of it. Um, in fact, it was it was about workplace burnout. I don't want to misquote. And it was basically this pattern. It was a float, a day off, a float, a day off, a float, three days off, float, day off, float, day off, float, three days off, doing that cycle three times. So nine floats in 27 days was effective and clinically proven to reduce cortisol, reduce workplace burnout, increase well-being. So if you're uh, – if you're recovering from an, from an accident, that's an excellent place to be. Uh, that's an excellent cycle to get into. Okay. And yeah. the, and the duration of the floats, um, do you get really short floats? And, and you, I mean, you did a really long one at nine hours, but you mentioned hour, hour and a half, but is that this pretty much the set time, the hour, hour and a half mark? Or do, is there even a quicker, like, uh, Tabata type float? Where you, you just, yeah. Uh, we, we offer an hour standard. Um, some float centers offer 90 minutes as a standard. Um, we've, we tinkered for a while and found that an hour is, is, is plenty. Um, so that's the most common duration. Uh, we offer an hour or two and a half hours. Um, so for people that have been floating for a while that really, you know, an hour, your body, your body kind of knows when an hour is. And so for a lot of people who float, have floated five, six, 10, 40, 50, 60 times, they get to a point where they're in and they're floating and they like, you know, they like, Oh, they know when their float is over and then the music kicks on and then the lights turn on because they sort of, their body is, um, uh, in tune. Yeah. yeah, that, That body clock is working well. Exactly. So then for those people, we suggest that they extend it to two and a half just to like um, go deeper, longer. Okay. Yeah. And, and you did mention earlier in the interview uh, about that 20, 25 minute mark where you're getting a change in, in uh, chemical release. So yeah. you need to be in that sensory deprivation period for at least for a period of time. So, mm-hmm. right. So I think, um, are there any other particular things about flotation I haven't covered properly that you think people should know about flotation? Well, I mean, um, cannabis is legal where, where I live and, um, combining cannabis and floating, uh, I am a strong, strong proponent of, um, we are looking for, um, maybe not a peak experience in a float tank or in a flotation therapy session, but we're looking for depth. All of us are looking for, for, uh, for deeper meaning, for, for more purpose, for, uh, a better understanding of ourselves. And I've advocated for cannabis combined with flotation therapy for a long time because A, it's legal uh, where but, I live. And this is legal not just for pain control, is it? It's legal recreationally. Okay. Yeah. So using cannabis and combining that with a float tank uh, session um, is about as as deep an experience legally that you can get. And I, and I, and I, and I really do believe that, especially if it's eaten. Um, if you eat a, you know, a sucker or a candy or a brownie or a cookie or something and go into a float, I would suggest floating for longer than just an hour. I would, I would do two and a half, but that, that there, there is so much there in self-reflection, in depth of thought, in, um, 
sort of the the life analysis that we all should do a little bit more of reflection of the self thinking about the future not in a not in an anxious way but in a way of like well what do i want who am i where do i want to go what do i want to be these are important questions that lo- most of us don't think about anymore we're just sort of tra la la go to work come back watch netflix go to sleep go to work come back watch netflix like that's that's this cycle you know and pumping the brakes and getting into that that sort of experience um i think is 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 almost shamanic it's almost ceremonial it's almost uh which is something that i'm i'm um um a proponent of too is um shamanism and 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 regular ceremony it's something that we i think our bodies and our brains really need um so i think that 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 you should check that out if if it's accessible to you and if it's possible for you it's something that you should de- definitely look at. Um, yeah, that could be fascinating for people. Um, yeah. And so, again, they can travel to your center and go through that experience there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's something I hadn't even even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I could I could imagine again. You're in that. I'm thinking of you having done an 18 hour fast or you know a 20 24 hour fast. You're already in that uh, ketone state, that nutritional ketosis. You do your workout, take some cannabis, and go into a float. Like, wow, you must be in a in a completely different space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's my thing, man. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I just also want to touch on because we've talked a lot about flotation, but I mean, you're a life coach, and you and you also do other human optimization tips. So. If you wouldn't yeah. mind just educating people a little bit about that. Do you have another two hours? <laughs> oh, we've got a few more minutes. So that's why I wanted to try and get it in. Because you said, I, okay. I believe you've got a workshop or something coming up, do you? I, I do. Yeah, I have a workshop coming up in late October. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll plug that now. Um, it's called Life MBA. Uh, it's October 28th at the W Hotel in Seattle. Um, it's a full-day workshop. And Life MBA – oh, wait, I'm – live on facebook and teasing this too early um <laughs> hmm. well we'll see um uh, m stands for mind b stands for body and a stands for awareness and this one day workshop is uh, a culmination of of everything that i've learned over the past six to eight e- years um coaching techniques um lifestyle hacks biohacks relationship framework um, deep introspection, goal setting, negative thought patterns that you can replace with positive thought patterns, um, fasting, uh, ketosis, um, yoga, floating. And then the awareness aspect is um, uh, increasing your t- intuition. I get into some uh, esoteric modalities and some metaphysical framework. Um, I'm, I'm a light worker of sorts and I work in um, um, I work with the highest self. I work with people's spirit guides um, to tune people into themselves, to to to, to upgrade their non-physical intelligence, their non-physical bodies, their light bodies. Uh, so that's coming up. Um, it's life-mba.com, and it's on Facebook Live. So for those of you who are cats out of the bag. Um, breaking, um, breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking, <laughs> breaking news. So the um, – the, some of the other biohacks that I'm I'm a big fan of of, of cold water therapy, um, taking cold showers. Um, um, there's there's a ton of supplements that I would suggest, but I I think in in general what I would always suggest that people do is um, tinker, tinker around. You know I'm not big on tech. I'm not big on wearables. I'm not I'm not huge on you know Fitbits and. Um, uh, heart rate monitor uh, stuff like I, I I'm not I'm not as interested in that as I am in um, you know a Himalayan salt soleil in the morning or dry brushing or cold plunges or tongue scraping or the Wim Hof breath work you know those are the things that I'm more interested in and uh, I think we should we there th- I think that people sort of get overwhelmed with look what, what what am I supposed to do like what am I supposed to do get a get a Fitbit and start mm. tracking my my steps well fine that's cool but if you don't do anything about it if, if it doesn't inform or, or lead to any action in any way then it's you know you're not it's, it's sort of useless information so I would suggest 
we are none of us are performing to our to to our optimal potential. Not a single you're not, I'm not, the people that I work with are not. And we need to look outside of ourselves for resources, for coaching. Uh, my coaching website is seanmccormick.org. Um, we should, I think a lot of us would benefit massively from a life coach to sort of help us figure out not only what we want to do, but how we, how we can get there. And, um, from supplements to hacking sleep, to floating, to, you know, spirit guides, I think we all should tinker around a little bit. Yeah. No, for sure. You know, we're multifaceted. And uh, the problem is, I, 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 I hear you, you know, too many people in this world are linear. They just, you know, it's like one data point, one, one thing. Um, whereas at the end of the day, I, the way I like to explain it to people is, is, it's like a bucket and, you know, you've got different stimuluses that all fill up this bucket, but realize there's lots of different stimuluses or like a pie chart. So who knows what's going to affect you. So just go and experiment. And that's biohacking, you know, any equals one stuff, yeah. you know, go self-experiment. Who knows what you're going to experience. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Sean, thank you so much for educating us today on flotation. I mean, I can already think of so many cool biohacks uh, that people could do with flotation. Um, yeah. But if you wouldn't mind just sharing again uh, where your two flotation centers are, um, where they're based or what, they're, what, what the website addresses are for people to contact you about flotation. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's Float Seattle um, in, in the Green Lake neighborhood of Seattle, just north of sort of the downtown area. It's, uh, you know, 25 minutes from the SeaTac airport if you're flying into Seattle. Uh, that's floatseattle.com. And then Float Bellevue, floatbellevue.com. That's our other location, which is on the east side, on the other side of the lake. The float centers are, are um, you know, 15 minutes away from each other. Um, on Twitter, it's Float Seattle. On Instagram, it's Float Seattle. Um, wherever you are, uh, you've, you gotta go do this, Gary, you, you gotta go, you, yeah. you gotta, well, you gotta book. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so. Cause, um, I'll, I'll be on the West coast of uh, the States in October. So I'm hoping that maybe I'll get a chance to do some floating for the first time in my life. Absolutely. There's a ton of float centers on the West coast of the States. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everybody should go do it. My, my coaching site is seanmccormick.org and um, my workshop is life-mba.com. Um, you can go to lifemba.com and, uh, and buy a ticket. Fantastic. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for people too. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. See ya. Yeah.